morning, everybody, why don't you go to Romans uh, 12, and that's where we'll be all morning long. Um, last day of sunshine, potentially, a last Sunday of sunshine. So em- embrace it, get a suntan, that's impossible right now, but you know, get out there afterwards and, and make the most of it, because rain is coming. Well, let's pray, and we'll look right at Romans 12. Lord, thank you, we're here, we're gathered in your name, we love you, and we want to follow you, and We want to go your direction, your way, and be your people. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to show us what is right and good and true so that we could walk in it. And in advance, we we just say, Lord, if there's some things that are out of step with your heart, uh, expose them to us so that we can find the truth and that the truth will indeed set us free, as you said, Jesus. And we invite you to do that. In the end, Lord, we want to choose to respond and to listen and go in your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a study called uh, Room for More because we're looking at Romans 12 and we've been in Romans for a long time. And what we're going to find here is that in light of the good news, which is Romans 1 through 11, now Romans 12 all the way to 16 begins to describe how to live out the news that is good. And in Romans 1 through 11, you see again and again and again God is a God of grace, God is a God of mercy, he's a God of love, and he has done everything in Jesus to pull us back. So those of us who were far from God have now been made close through the way of Jesus. And what difference does that make? That's what we're looking at. There's room for more to live into who we're already called to be. In other words, faith in Jesus should be practical. It should make a difference Monday through the following Sunday and genuine faith in Jesus should hit everyday life. It shouldn't be just this regular life and then Sunday life. And so that's why we want to leave room for more in this coming year for God's presence and God's change and God's transformation. So uh, Romans 12 is like building blocks. If you're in construction, you build hopefully a decent foundation and then you build up. And in the same way, if you miss one weekend, um, it sounds kind of self-serving. Hey, Will you please listen to me if you're not here? It's not the intention. But there is a building block you may miss, especially in the next three to six weeks. So make sure you listen in. Well, um, we're, we're there, Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Why don't we, though, read it out loud together? You're going to spend most of your time just listening. But why don't we read these two verses? Depending on your version, I'll put one on the screen that I'm reading from. So we are in sync. You ready? Let's do it together. One, two, three. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect world. Uh, Last couple of weeks, therefore I urge you, it starts with desire. Transformation or change in your world always starts with a desire. If you don't want it, it's never going to happen. And so that's where change begins. You have to want it. Well, what, what are the first steps that we looked at last week? We need to remember who we are. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, because we've been made new and we're now connected to Jesus Christ at the deepest level. We are now uh, sons and daughters of God. We're now brothers and sisters. 
we are altogether different. The reason we can change and we should desire transformation is because God made it possible in Jesus. And now, because it is possible, it can happen. Remember who you are and remember what God has done. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. It's not that we want to be better to impress Jesus. It's because Jesus gave everything out of his love for me. I ought to, the natural result should be, I should want to now live for him. And, and we're seeing that that is not always happening, but it's always possible. And so in your life, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, there may be seasons where you don't even want it. And you're not even looking and you're, you're satisfied with the status quo. And then you read texts like this that because you have the Holy Spirit should jolt you. It should be like, you know, if someone's having heart trouble, they get the little paddles. Bam! You know, and suddenly something pops. And you realize, wow, wait a minute, I was made by God, for God, and because of Jesus, I'm alive to God. I should now live in his way. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done. So what does that look like? The end of verse 1. So in light of God's mercy, because we've made his family, I urge you, therefore, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper Worship. In other words, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and he made it possible to be the perfect role model. I can now, I don't have to wonder, God, what, how do you want me to live? I can look, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the letters after it are simple explanations of how to live out the Jesus life. I can if I want to. And the Holy Spirit can empower me to live like Jesus, not perfectly, I'm going to mess it up, Jesus never does wrong, I do. But that's why in view of God's mercy, I can keep going. Now, all of that was revealed the last few weeks. But this, this morning we want to look at verse 2, because how does this actually happen? How does, how does uh, transformation and change take place like in the real world? Look at verse 2 again. Don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good and perfect and pleasing will. Conforming or transforming. How does change really happen? We want to drill down and see how it can and should happen in your world. And by the way, it's already happening. Sometimes we're just not clued in. But we want to be aware so that we can participate and partner with God and not resist him. Don't conform, verse 2 says, but be transformed. So there are, there are at least two options right now. You can, you can be a conforming person or you can be someone who is being transformed. By the way, don't conform is a command. It's not a, a suggestion. He's saying in light of the mercies of God, in light of the beautiful work of Jesus, in light of the new life you've been given... Command, don't conform. Command, be transformed. Now, I don't want you to think that this is like, bam, I, I no longer think like I used to. No, this is a process that God is unfolding day by day, layer by layer in our world. And by the way, the process never ends. This is the good news. God is always transforming you 
If you've been following him 60, 70, 80 years, there is still transformation yet to happen. And if you've been following for two months, there's still transformation that God wants to do. Now, what does it mean to be transformed? The word here is metamorpho, and you get it already. The idea of a metamorphosis of a, of a change. Transformation is to change inwardly in fundamental character or condition to be changed. So the command is to allow God to continue to transform you, to change you layer by layer. That's, that's what God's will is for your life. And, and by the way, in order to know God's will for your life, he tells us, don't conform, be transformed, then you will, able, you will be able to. So, so many of us were asking, well, God, what's your will for my life? And we're asking it, by the way, all the time. And if you're asking, you're not alone. We're, those of us who follow Jesus, God, what do you want? And you're, you're given choices at work or you're given a path relationally. You can go this way or that way. And God, what do you want? None of us want to live outside of God's rule, right? We want that. And fundamentally, in order for me to know what God's will, which, by the way, God's will already is, God doesn't have to figure out anything. He already knows. But in order for me to be clued in, something has to happen. We want to know God's will and, and we know how we can. As we are being transformed, we're going to be able to see clearly what God already has for my world. So if I want to know God's will, it's less about, God, will you show me your will? Rather, we should be asking God, God, transform the way I think so that I can see it. It's already there. Sometimes we just don't see it. Paul uses this word only one other time in all of his letters because it's vivid. I want to put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are, and by the way, in, in the context here he's saying like Moses saw God in a way that others didn't. And, but, but Moses, because he was in God's presence, he had his face veiled like he had this presence of God that he literally covered his face because people were thrown off like, wow, something happened to you. Moses was transformed by the presence of God. And now Paul says, because of Jesus and that you have the Holy Spirit, you with an unveiled face, you're seeing God's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Holy Spirit. Spirit, if you're new to the Bible, it's all there, but let me clarify what's just right there. You have been given the Holy Spirit. God's presence is with you. And so now, like Moses had to put a veil up because God's presence threw off the people around him. Now we live in the fullness of God's presence and I can know God's thoughts and I can walk in his ways and it can grow in ever-increasing glory. God is perfect and glorious. It's not like he gets more perfect or more glorious. It's like, no, as he's transforming me, I get a better view. This morning when I went out of my house, it was a little chilly out. And so I turned the car on and I can't see out the front window. And I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm running a little bit late. I want to get here. And so I do what you shouldn't do is I start driving, but I can't really see. I don't know if you've ever done that. And so I got windshield wipers, I got windows down, I got defogger going, and I'm, I'm and I could see that little spot, like right in the middle where the blower is, and I'm, I'm 
I'm driving slowly thinking, please, hopefully no one's coming across real quickly. And then, and then it, it ever increasingly, everything that was there was there. I just didn't see it. My view was distorted. And so when, when it comes to following Jesus, God's view of the world is not distorted at all. My view is distorted. But God, because he's given us the Holy Spirit, uh, defogs the things that are clouding my view of him. And so the command here is God has already given you his spirit. You can know his presence. Partner with him on the transformation. And so, so this is the good news. God, because he's given you himself, already has put in you the desire to live more like him. It's almost like, well, I don't feel like I'm changing. And this is the command. The command is to partner with God who wants to do the changing. It's not like I change my life and then I, I get God's presence. No, it's I have to want God's presence already living within me to actually make a difference in the way I think, in the way I feel, in the way I live. And so you and I, what we can do is participate with God. You can, as you long for it, actually receive clarity. The foggy window can become more clear. All right, so how? This is super practical. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way Paul explains it is simple, but it's completely profound. There are two uh, ways of seeing reality. There's this present age and there is the age to come. When you read scripture, this is the lens of how the Bible writers see the world. God made the world good, perfect, lovely. He said everything is made and he said it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then by Genesis 3 and into 4, humans who God gives freedom and and choice and says, partner with me, let's, let's, let's take the world somewhere. They choose to rebel and ignore God instead of partnering with them. And it fractures things. And so God's good and perfect world is, is in a cycle that's going downwards. Not because of God, but because of us. But God who's love says, oh no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remake the world. And I'm going to put it back to the way it was at one point. And that is in the age to come. So the early Bible writers talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. And on the day of the Lord, and if you read, just do a search. Go to Bible Gateway or whatever and do a search, day of the Lord. And you'll see just throughout hundreds of years, God gives insight. On this day, you're going to know me. On this day, justice is going to come. On this day. And the day of the Lord for the follower of Jesus, as Paul's reading the Bible, realizes in Jesus' coming and his death and his resurrection, the day of the Lord has come. Now, God is going to remake the whole world. All that to say is there's two things going on. There's this present age system that's broken. And there's what God's going to do in the future. And it's begun in Jesus. So you're saying, okay, Jose, there's two ways. God is already going to remake the world. He's already starting it in you. I want you to read, um, J.B. Phillips has like a paraphrase of this verse. I'll put it on the screen for you. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from 
within. It's helpful. When you, I'm a, more of a picture kind of learner. I don't know, you visual learner type people. So, so there's this, this present age and there's the age to come. Let's think of them as two molds, right? If you've ever had jello, no nutritional value, but very spongy and fun. You know, like jello, you put, you put jello into different molds and it, and it takes the shape of the mold. Or you do it with clay or you do it with, with anything else. The molds are there. And when something is poured in, it reshapes the character of what is in it into its mold. And so, so there's this present age. There's a mold. There's a way of seeing the world. There's a way of seeing your life. There's a way of seeing reality. There's a way of answering the big questions of life. Who am I? And why am I here? And where is this world going? What about the future? Um, it's called a worldview. It's a mold. And you already have one. You don't, you don't get one. You already have one. But God is working. The whole of the Bible story is God is working to recreate things into his original mold. So we make choices based on what we believe. But what we believe is broken. This present age has a lot of good, but it's also marked by brokenness and rebellion. Just take a great recipe and, and throw in something super bitter in it, right? Whether it's this great sweet recipe or whatever, and just throw in some vinegar. And it, what, it, what happens is, is that little vinegar, that little whatever, will go in and distort everything in it. So there's a lot of good in this world, don't get me wrong. Except it's not perfect like Jesus. So it's going to distort at one point. So there's two different moles or, or two different ways of seeing reality. But in the age to come, the perfect mold, one day God is going to make the world anew and we're going to live and we're going to rule and we're going to enjoy life with him. That's where all of the Bible is taking us. Genesis all the way to Revelation. At the end of Revelation, you see there's a garden-like city and God's people are with him. Uh, Jesus isn't off in a far distant place. He is here with us and there's joy and there's peace and there's love and, and there's food. Hallelujah. And there, there's, there's everything. So here's, here's the trick. Here's why we need transformation. We, you and I, are living in two worlds at the same time. You and I are living on planet Earth, but this mold has been broken by us. Yet, like Jesus, the day of the Lord brought in something new. One day it's going to be in full. That's why we're always going to see sickness and disease and hurricanes and corruption. And we're always going to live in a world of messiness until God makes it anew. But, catch this and write it down, what God plans to do in the future has already started in you. What, and this is why following Jesus is so, it's so much more than just taking on an idea. It's so much more than just a religious belief or a, a worldview. You and I are already experiencing in part what God is going to do for the entire world. So God's going to heal the entire world. He is going to heal it all. And guess what? You and I experience healing now. There are moments when God's healing, whether it's physical healing power or memories that were horrific and somehow you're able to forgive and that is healed or relationships that were like shrapnel and sometimes, not always, there's healing that comes. 
those, those moments are a sign of what God is going to do in the entire world someday. And that's why following Jesus is such an honor. It's such a blessing. Peace, when you experience peace, God is going to bring peace to the entire universe. And when you and I get peace now, it's, it's a sign of what he's about to do. Peace has started in you. And one day it will spread everywhere. But you and I still live in this present age. And this is why transformation, you, you, don't be, command, don't be conformed. Don't live to this pattern. It, instead, be transformed in the way that you think. How, how, how? In order to live like Jesus, we need to be transformed in the way we see. And so Paul starts with the mind. We want to make room for God to really invade the way that we think. And this is not an easy task. So, so transformation of the mind, it sounds like, oh yeah, I'll just change my thought life. Um, consider a fish born in water. Right? Thinking about what you think about is more complicated than you think. Because you, you, a fish is in water, and a fish born in water doesn't realize it's breathing in water. It just is in water. It's not till you take a fish out of the water that they realize, whoa, what's going on? And they start flop, 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 and put them back in the water. Don't be evil. But you're like, but it, it, it's in, it's in, it's the... The water is the place where it breathes and lives. It doesn't even realize it's there. In reverse, the same thing for you. You're breathing and enjoying life. Now stick you under the water and the same thing happens. Something's just not right. You're, you don't even realize that you're breathing in and out until you're in a spot where you can't. Now I'm not here to talk about fish and the analogy breaks down. But I'm here to, to remind you that you have a way of viewing the world. And that's the air that you breathe. And it has been given to you. You inherited it from your parents or your relatives, whoever raised you, from the schooling that you've had, from the books, the media, everything around you. The way of seeing your life is just is there. And we're swimming in it. And so what Paul says is what Jesus is going to do in you, if you partner with him, is to begin to give you insight into the way God sees the world and to restructure your thinking into his mold. Don't let the world cram you into its mold. Instead, let God and his goodness reshape who you are to fit who you were supposed to be. So Jesus, this is why the teaching of Jesus is so important, because Jesus offers an alternative to the to the way that we see the world. Jesus offers an alternative to the vision of this world. He offers a, a, a different way of seeing things than the culture that we live in. And since we belong to Jesus, I know this is kind of high level stuff. Since we belong to Jesus, here's what I can do. I cannot, I can avoid just doing life the way everyone else does it. It's not us versus them. It's like, oh, they're evil and we're great. It's, it's we're living in two worlds. And, and Jesus, what he wants to do is everything he's going to do in the future, he wants to begin to, to reshape in you. Which is why Jesus says, you are the light of the what? World. Which sounds kind of like, uh, Jesus, you picked the wrong team. Like, we're not the, no, 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 no. What? 
God is going to do in the whole world. He's now doing in his followers first. And so as we're transformed, here's God's goal. That as he's doing it in you, it's not like you're having to figure it out. It's you saying, Holy Spirit of God, I want to be transformed. As he does it, people who are living in this age begin to say there is an alternative and they begin to ask and wonder what would it look like to really know this God that these other people seem to know. And that's God's design for all of us. He, he is the alternative. Jesus has the alternative. And so lasting change happens when we begin to say, God, all right, there are two ways of viewing the world. Help me to see more clearly. Now where does it begin? Paul says, in the mind. So we're going to live with an old mindset. Or a renewed mind. Be transformed, verse 2 says, by the renewing of your mind. So it's not just behavior change. I think some of us, depending on what tradition you were brought in, brought up in, if you grew up reading the Bible or going to church, a lot of attention was placed on behavior. That's the church that I grew up in. There are things that Christians do and Christians don't do. And so a lot of faith was about not doing stuff, you know, like never have fun because Jesus hates joy, right? And, and that's a bit of an extreme, but, but, but following Jesus was all about what you do and don't do. Now, are there things that you avoid because you follow Jesus? Yes. So that's not all wrong, but that's not the way that we're really transformed. My action always follows my thought life. I think first and then I act. Now sometimes it seems like it's in reverse. Like I did it and like, shoot, I didn't think about that. But in reality, out of the overflow of my thinking, my behavior goes down a path. So transformation begins, doesn't end in the mind, but it begins in the mind. So what we want to invite God to do is to transform the way we think. Um, Colossians 2. So how, how do I know God's will? How has the mind changed? Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the el elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Don't, don't be taken captive through philosophies. There are ideas that just sound good because we've been taught them, and in some senses, they're helpful, but they could be out of sync with the heart of God. So a super simple example when it comes to succeeding in business. So if you're a business major or, or you're, you own a business, there are going to be uh, philosophies that say if you cut corners or cheat your client, as long as they don't know, that's just how business works. Be a shrewd business person. In other words, think of yourself over everybody else. And that seems like that's right. And it's only cheating if you get caught. But because we've been given the Holy Spirit if in the area of business, we have to be thinking differently and not let that mindset, that hollow philosophy that says I'm the center of the universe and I'm more important and the end of all business is profit, what if it's actually about the people? Now, I, want to, I don't want to sound idealistic, but I have to say that there are ways of doing business that are in line with this culture's worldview, and there are ways of doing business that are aligned with the heart of God. 
And you, as a Jesus follower, can choose which path to go on. And I can tell you from experience that the way of Jesus is the better way. It's just the better way. It's sometimes the harder way. It's always an inconvenient way. But in the end, if you're starting off with the wrong thing at the end, of course you're going to end up in the wrong place. But Jesus is the way, truth, and life, and he's bringing healing to the world. So even in business, he wants to take you on the path that leads to most fruitfulness and joy. And by the way, it isn't always about you making more in the end, but God has a way of doing business life. That's just one of a thousand examples. Uh, In another place, Paul uses vivid imagery because this this is a battle in the mind, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 10. We'll put it on the screen. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Again, he's talking about how to live transformed. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them To obey Christ. Now, I just want you to catch the imagery. War is the imagery and weapons are in the imagery. And those are relating to thoughts. Thoughts are like weapons. They have power. Power to do immense good and power to do immense harm. And so he's just, again, in using this war imagery saying we have to take down the thoughts that could do harm and that are out of line with the heart of God, and we recognize that sometimes thoughts, like weapons, can explode and destroy someone. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of examples. Those of you who have been watching the news, and I just have to say the name Weinstein. And so, so your body, let's, let's look at your, your body. Your, your body is an is yours, right? Now, advertisers and movie producers and our cultural sway, recording artists, are subtly just saying, you belong to you, therefore, you do what's best for you. Use your body for whatever you want. Enjoy every pleasure. It's your life. Have fun. You only get it once. That's a way of seeing your life, a way of seeing your body. And in contrast, you have God's vision for your life, God's vision for your body, God's vision for love, God's vision for relationship. And, and, and what has become strange, and this is, it's strange that I even have to say this, but what has become strange in our culture is to uphold this idea that God created man and woman and he created them for a lifelong relationship of intimacy and sex and joy and children for many and legacy and hard commitment. To one to another. And that, in most circles of our cultural thinking, is not even held up as, like, ideal. It's almost thought of as archaic. It's, you know, that's when, when people didn't understand what the world was really like, right? So, so when it comes to your body and what you do and don't do with it, and how you commit your body one to another... What I'm simply saying is that there is a cultural sway, and if we're not careful, our behavior is just going to fall in line with the cultural sway. Or 
we can choose to live into who we already are. You already are a child of God. You already have the Holy Spirit. You already know what's right because God lives in you. Now we capture rebellious thoughts. And when I'm tempted to, because this is the way that everyone's going, when I'm tempted to, I can, as a Jesus follower, by the Holy Spirit say, no, wait a minute, that's not God's vision for my life, and I am not going to go that direction. By the way, I want to, but God help me. God help me. And as you and I learn to grow in discerning, this is why, and this is a sidebar, but it's an absolutely important point. This is why we, we want to spend more and more time thinking about what God has said. You know, unfortunately, sometimes the application for anytime someone preaches, hey, just read your Bible more, just read your Bible more, just read your Bible more. So I don't want to throw that like guilt trip because reading the Bible is becoming a lost art in the church. So I'm not here to give you a guilt trip. I am simply here to say, read your Bible. Why? Because if I want to know what the age to come looks like, it is in sync with what God has said. Now, we are living in this present age. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're living your own utopian little world. We're living in the quote-unquote real world, but we're citizens of heaven at the same time. And so God has already remade you and is remaking you, and he will remake you. Now, live into that reality instead of just buying what everyone does. And if I don't know what God has said it's going to be harder. That, that's why I'm, I'm simply saying immerse your thinking more in God's thoughts, in what God has said, not just books about it, but the text itself. Because if I don't know what God has said, it's hard to discern. And it's easier to conform rather than be transformed. So we're going to read in Romans 12 over the next few weeks, in the next few months. What's the point of your education? Those of you who are pursuing Education, whether it's middle school, high school, or college, or post. What about your career choices? What about your gifts and skills? How do they fit with my life? How is your hard work supposed to fit with the way that I live? Do you know they're connected? Do you know that your education has something to do with enriching my world and my life? Do you know that, that you don't just belong to you, but brothers and sisters? That you growing and flourishing and thriving is not just about you. But the reason you give it 150% is because your contribution ought to be best to the greater group called the church. We don't just live for ourselves and our own immediate family and your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or immediate family. We live for the bigger thing. Jesus has something to teach us about why we do what we do. What about love? What is love and how do we express it? There are endless books and seminars uh, and movies about love. Jesus says something to teach us about the nature of real love as God intended. Keep, just keep coming and we're going to read in Romans 12 how we tap into the greatest love, which is God's love, and how we live it out. What about conflict? The more people, the more problems. That's just, the larger your circle, the bigger your business, the more headaches. That's just, that's, that, that, I, I wish I could run. No, you don't. You don't want to run something bigger. It's just harder and not always more profitable. But how do I deal with conflict, really? How do I treat people the way God wants 
them treated. Just keep coming. Again, what Romans 12 does is all an outgrowth of verses 1 and 2. All Romans 12 and 13 and on is when we begin to be renewed in the way that we think and we start thinking in line with Jesus' way, we now are going to be able, and here's the good point, in, in letter to the Corinthians, what he was saying is you are able to demolish these strong pulls of this culture's thinking. Like, well, I can never. Yes, you can. You have the Holy Spirit, and you can choose the right. And when we do stumble and fall, he's the God of mercy, and he's the God of grace, and we can get it right the next time. It's not like one and out. It's for the rest of your life we begin to learn and love like Jesus. Now, why is this so important? Don't be conformed. Instead, be continually transformed. It's because of the will of God. Like, what's, what's at stake here? Look at verse 2 one last time. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and his perfect and his pleasing will. How do you know where God is in relation to what you're thinking? How do you know if you're in line with God or not? You can't, you can't even know what God is thinking until you choose the path of transformation. In other words, what God is thinking is not always in sync with this mold. And some of us struggle, like, God, I don't, I don't get what you're doing. It's because he's doing something totally different. But as you and I are transformed, and, and knowing the will of God, by the way, if you've read Romans, Knowing the will of God is in direct contrast. Listen to Romans 1.28. Do not think it worthwhile, uh, those who do not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind. Those outside of the gospel who chose to ignore the will of God. God gives them over to their own way of thinking. Many people, I would dare say most people, are not infatuated with what God is thinking. But guess what? You are. And as we increase in our desire to be transformed into God's way of thinking, we have a choice. Conforming, that leads to a depraved mind. Or transforming, and that means a renewed mind. But Romans 12, 1-2 is telling us because of the gospel, you can live differently. And this is where we find ourselves. I don't have a lot of time this morning to talk about how to discern the will of God in your world. But I've given you enough to know. It begins by submitting my thinking to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give this back to you. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is where I'm going. And asking God by the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom. And because you have the Holy Spirit, in increasing measure, it starts small, but you will begin to live more unsettled when you go this way. The longer you're following Jesus, as he begins to transform your thinking, it becomes less and less attractive, less and less comfortable. The grip of this mold will shrink as God's grip continues to increase in your world. Lifelong pursuit. But it's got to start somewhere. So you can live transformed and you can obey. All right. Let's get back to the beginning. What is it that you walked in with? What decisions that need to be made? What attitudes that you're 
walking out activities that you're living. Let's, let's look now present those in, in light of God's goodness. Let's present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. It's, it's the most rational response. This morning, whatever you and I came in with, let's now give it back to God as an offering of praise. If you're in the middle of making a big decision, let's offer that to God. If you find that your this week is out of step with God's vision for your life, well, let's confess. The greatest thing we can do is confess to God. God, I, I've blown it again. And he says, mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Receive forgiveness. This week, let's choose to walk in God's ongoing transformation and not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, if that's your heart, I'm going to invite you now to stand on your feet. We want to respond and worship to God. Why don't you put your Bible to the side and let's invite the Holy Spirit to show us that thing, those things that either need His forgiveness or His grace or His mercy or His wisdom. It's all in Jesus and we are in Him. So let's receive what we need from a loving Father. Lord, thank you that we can come and we can, we can give all of our thoughts our heart, our emotion. We can, we can even give you the things that we are planning to do, the things that we have done. We can submit all of those things into your loving hands. And as your kids, ask you to shape us. Lord, we don't want to fall into the mold and pattern of thinking that everyone else is. We have been changed by you. So now, God, today, this week, by your power, help us to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to respond like Jesus. Because that's our heart, we want to sing worship and praise to your name. Holy Spirit of God, whatever it is that needs changed in your sons and daughters this morning, continue to do that, I pray in Jesus' name.